Welcome to the Neurodivergent CEO Podcast. I'm Amanda Hess, a certified life and success coach specializing in empowering neurodivergent leaders, CEOs, and entrepreneurs. Ever felt like your achievements didn't line up with your internal struggles? Trust me, I've been there. I couldn't comprehend how I had dedicated so much effort to success only to find myself deeply unhappy while everyone around me perceived me as having it all. But here's the thing, your beautifully unique brain holds the power to transform your perspective and bring happiness and fulfillment into your life. That's why I created this podcast, to help you unlock that potential. If you're tired of being on the hamster wheel of your life and yearning to redefine your own version of success, then you've come to the right place. So my friend, buckle up and get ready because this is just the beginning of an incredible journey. It's time to tune in and explore the extraordinary possibilities together. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the podcast. I have such a good episode for you today. I want to talk about how do you know if you're overreacting? Okay. How do you know? How do you know whether or not your reaction is normal or abnormal? How do you know if how you're showing up is normal? I really want to talk about this because it's something that comes up in my own brain occasionally. It's something that really comes up for my clients. It's something that I coach on all the time. And I just want to do a whole episode on it and let's dig right in because I think it's so important to cover this in a way that you can use it in your life in a way that will help you. So I used to think about how I was reacting and whether or not it was an overreaction. And I used to be really concerned with, is that reaction normal? Is it okay for me to think this way? Is it normal for me to feel this way? I think I'm being crazy, or I think this is stupid, or I think this is insane and I should feel crazy about it or whatever. And when I'm coaching someone, it can get really interesting because we can become much more self-aware. And I see how clients come to me in two different ways. I have two sort of boats of clients. I have clients who are very self-aware because they've had years of therapy and they have really delved into self-help and they have just a huge understanding of many things to do with themselves. They have self-awareness, but it's almost like they're hyper-vigilant of themselves. And I'll talk more about that. And then there's the people that have no self-awareness. In fact, they just weren't even aware that they had some control or some agency in what's going on in their life in any way, shape, or form. It, it really felt like life is just happening to them. And I would say that it's about 50-50 when I work with somebody new, but they do tend to be in one camp or the other. I find that if you were like perfectly aware of yourself from the standpoint of you knew how to navigate yourself perfectly, you just wouldn't be my client, right? Because you would just know what to do. You're probably not even listening to this podcast. And I question whether or not you're real. <laughs> because I do actually think that this is a universally human thing. And we are blessed with these really big brains, and they are amazing. But they also create all these problems for us at the same time, which is so fascinating and just really part of the human experience. So where I think we can start is we can talk about what 
is a reaction, right? So let's start with just reacting. Really what a reaction is, you experience a feeling and you react to that feeling. Now, sometimes what we think is that we react to what's happening. Like my partner says X or my boss does Y or my friend ghosted me or whatever. And then I reacted to that. But actually, we don't actually react to the thing that's happening, right? We're emotional beings. So we react from the standpoint of this is how I feel. And then that feeling creates a reaction. When I am listening to someone telling me that someone said they overreacted or they felt like they overreacted, I'm always listening a little differently to that statement because what it tells me is just that you didn't like your reaction and that potentially the other person didn't like your reaction. And we don't want to gauge our behavior on just that. Okay. Because it's too black and white and it doesn't give enough information and we don't really know what we're solving for. A lot of times when someone will come and work with me and let's say they want to work on anger, they don't want to have explosive anger. They will want to stop the anger. And I get it because the reaction of having anger or the reaction that we have to anger, I should say, is generally not one that creates results that we necessarily like. Now, that being said, there are situations where it would. If you were being attacked and you got angry, that would really serve you because it would allow you to fight. It would allow your adrenaline to kick in. You would just hit that fight response and it would really serve you, right? However, when we're having, say, a fight with our teenager, that doesn't necessarily serve us because us fighting in that scenario doesn't create a result that we want. So if we're getting attacked, it, it gives us the opportunity to run away, to protect ourselves, to have a good result. But if we're having a fight with our teenager, getting into this reaction to anger, where it's a fight response, oftentimes creates a result that we don't want. And that can be true in any sort of scenario with really any emotions. A lot of times what I will coach my clients on is relationships. That's, I think, one of the biggest places where we look at our reactions because we are social beings. We have a real need for belonging and connection. And so when we have an action that we take and then it creates a problem in our relationship, whether it's like just not going well and we're fighting or creates distrust or it creates potentially a rift, we recognize that the behavior to a certain extent is creating the reaction. And that makes sense. However, we don't want to base our sort of awareness of our life on just the action or reaction. And that's where I want to really just look at this idea of how do I know if I'm overreacting? So I think that's the first thing that I really want to address here is what is an overreaction? So I really believe that there's no such thing as overreacting. Okay. There's just reacting and reacting will vary based on what's 
happening for you emotionally. So first of all, there's the level of the feeling that you're feeling. So maybe the thing that the other person is doing is a four out of 10 for you on the anger scale. If you were to judge your anger on a scale from one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest, let's say it's a four. Okay. That's where it hits. But I want you to add in that there's maybe previous trauma that has happened prior to this that actually makes this feeling more like an eight. And then let's add in that maybe you didn't sleep the night before and you didn't eat properly and you haven't been really able to ground yourself. And so now that elevates the feeling of the anger at a nine. So what's going to happen in that scenario? You're going to react to the anger because when we feel anger at a nine out of 10, we can't hold it. We have no capacity for it. So we just react because we have to get rid of that feeling because that feeling is so honestly painful. The other part of this is that some people are more emotionally sensitive than others. So if you're listening to this podcast, I am assuming that neurodivergence is something that makes sense to you and something that you're thinking, hey, like I am neurodivergent, whatever your definition of neurodivergent is. Okay. And if you're neurodivergent, I will pretty much guarantee that you are going to feel emotion more strongly than somebody that isn't. You are in fact more sensitive to the emotional load. Okay. And what we end up doing is we end up looking at this. So let's say this happened and I get into a huge fight with my kid about something that he's done because he comes home. He's in a bad mood. He throws his bag around. He doesn't do the chores he's supposed to do. He doesn't, he maybe yells at his brother and then I blow up, right? Like I yell, I get really angry. I freak right out and I just have this explosion of anger. All right. And then after that's all happened, I think to myself, I overreacted. What that tends to create is a lot of shame, right? Because we aren't looking at it from a what happened standpoint. We're looking at it from a what the hell is the matter with me standpoint. And it's a line in the sand that I draw because I just know from my own personal experience and from coaching so many of you that it doesn't help you to think that. And I would love for you to take the word overreacting and throw it in the garbage. (laughs) Okay. And just notice it when it comes up. Am I overreacting? I overreacted. No, I reacted. So why did I react that way? What was happening for me? Getting so curious, because if I get curious in that scenario, there's a number of things that contribute. So perhaps I had already had a rough day, right? Perhaps I had a rough day and then my nervous system was really raw and I hadn't worked out and I didn't go outside and ground myself in nature. And then I didn't sleep very well the night before my thoughts were running my brain. I wasn't actually in charge of my thinking. And then my son comes home, this happens, boom, explosion. That to me says my self-care needs to change. 
number one. And number two, I need to really look at the thoughts that I'm thinking about what my kids should and shouldn't be doing and why I think they should and shouldn't be doing them and really addressing the reality of the situation versus trying to just change how I think, which is, I think, very easy to do when you listen to podcasts and you read self-help books. And even if you do any kind of therapy or coaching, it can be really tempting to believe that I can just change the thought. Like, I don't need to think that was so stupid that I believe that. And I just don't, I don't buy into that because it doesn't work. And it really is much more useful to get extremely curious about what is happening here for me. And you can apply this to so many different scenarios in your life. I want you to think about if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner and something happens in the relationship, they do or say something that triggers you. And then you maybe freak out, right? Maybe you get mad at them. Maybe you give them the silent treatment. Maybe you just check out, maybe you leave, who knows? right? And the other person doesn't understand why you're having the reaction that you're having. And you just know that you're not able to cope in that moment. And then when you're looking back on it, you're wondering, did I overreact? How do I know? And that's the wrong question to ask. That just doesn't actually help you to ask that question because there's not really such thing as overreaction. There's just reacting. First of all, we're human. So in relationships, we can't expect perfection from ourselves because that's not possible. And we want to really release the expectation on ourselves that we need to be perfect. And in doing that, it helps us release the expectation on the other person that they need to be perfect because nobody needs to be perfect here. What we do want to do is we want to look at it and go, what created that reaction, right? And really being curious about what was happening and asking yourself really solid questions such as, would I be as mad about this in a day? What was happening today that made me more emotionally susceptible than usual? What about this is in my control? And what about this is out of my control? Why is this bothering me so much? And could I think about it differently? We're not trying to change our mind. We're not trying to flip flop from a negative thought to a positive thought. We're trying to determine where is this for me? What are the parts that I'm willing to consider? Maybe I'm not right about and what are the parts that I'm going to decide? These are really important to me and I'm not willing to shift on this. It is a dance. It is, I like to think of it as a living, breathing thing. And we do this and we tend to paint it all with the same brush. Like I always do this. He never does that. That's not true, right? Nobody always does something or never does something, but we do want to consider how we can interact with it differently. We want to play with it. And every situation is not the same. So just because you had a conversation with this person multiple times about this doesn't really mean anything about this conversation, even though it really does feel valid. 
What I think can be especially helpful is to think about what do I want to create? Many times when we think that we have overreacted or we think somebody else is overreacting, we want to repair. And if we think the other person is overreacting, we want them to repair. And it's not a problem, I guess. It's just that I look at it from the standpoint of, I'm always really curious about the result. What is the result you want? So let's say in the conversation that I had with my son about him putting his stuff down, this didn't really happen, but I'm just using that ex- like example because it works and it has happened before. So if I look at that experience and then I say to myself, how much does this matter? It matters because my nervous system gets really lit up by having shit everywhere in my house. I really don't like it. It also matters because I've asked him not to do it and he continues to do it. But on a scale of one to 10 of how much this matters, it's probably a two when I think about things like smoking and drugs and alcohol and all the things he could be doing. So it's like a two, but it still does bother me and it still does affect my nervous system. So What are creative solutions that I can put in place to ensure that this isn't bothering me? Maybe it's just that his dumping ground is his room. And so he can go and dump. It's his room. It's his problem. He deals with it. I don't. It could be that, right? Or it could be a boundary. It could be if that happens, there's things that get taken away. But just taking the emotion out of it and allowing myself to go, okay, Where am I going to create some change here? How do I have an affect on this situation? Is it important enough for me to change it? And that's something that I really believe is a question we forget to ask. And it's one where I see not being asked in two scenarios that can really hurt you. The first is that you ask it in the scenario. You're not asking it in the scenario where it doesn't actually matter. It's annoying, but it's not the end of the world. And it's not really something that you wish to make into a huge issue. If that's the case, is this really important to me? And the answer is no. Then you can ask yourself if you're willing to let it go. And you can start consciously deciding to not interact with that and not let that bother you or decide to do it yourself or whatever it is for you, but to not add on to that story that your son is disrespecting you, which is what tends to happen that, oh, he's so disrespectful. I ask him to do this and he never does that. And that means he doesn't respect me. That's just that layering on that we don't need to be doing, right? That creates the reaction that we don't want to have. So we're just looking at it from the standpoint of what is the result? And is this result really important to me? Every single result is not going to be important to you and it's okay. And we want to just figure that out. Now, listen, If my son had been at a party and I found out that he was doing drugs, I probably would consider that result to be really important to me. And if that's the case, then I am willing to have hard conversations about it. I am willing to be open and vulnerable with myself. I'm willing to look for support for me and for him to help us figure that out. But what I'm not saying to myself on either side is, oh, I was overreacting right? Because there's no such thing. There's just reacting. So when I react, it doesn't always give me this, the result that I want. So how do I change the reaction? I get really clear with myself on what's important to me and what isn't. I take things one thing at a time. 
And I'm really understanding of the emotions that are being created and what's creating them, which by the way, is always what I think. And what I think gets to be whatever the hell I want it to be. (laughs) So if I want to think that my 16 year old son smoking marijuana is bad, I get to think that. And it doesn't really matter if somebody else thinks it's reasonable. He probably, if he's doing it, doesn't, but I do. And it's important to me. And the result that I want to create is a scenario where he understands that there are rules and there are boundaries when it comes to that situation. And that also means that I might want to be mad about it, but I probably don't want to react from anger. So I'm going to make, I'm going to make sure that I am building my emotional capacity, right? We've talked about this on previous episodes, this idea of building your emotional capacity. So when you're looking at reacting, the way that you have more control over your reactions is by building your emotional capacity. And it is a skill. It is something that requires work, effort. It isn't something that you can just do in the moment. It's not something where you can just turn it off and turn it on. It is very much a living, breathing thing because the trauma that you've experienced in your life affects it. Your hormones affect it. The time of year affects it. Your sleep affects it. It all affects it. How your kid is with you affects it. The way you were as a kid affects it. Even if you don't have kids, just think about any relationship that you have in your life and really consider What if there's no such thing as me overreacting? There's no such thing as them overreacting. It's just a reaction. It's a sensory overload is what it is. The senses become so hard to contain that we release them. And we do it the best way we know how. So sometimes that's crying. Sometimes that's yelling. Sometimes that's complaining. Sometimes that's shutting down. Sometimes it's hitting things. It just depends, right? When we can start getting just really nuanced about it, we can start really building some self-trust in ourselves and building some self-belief and building the ability to be able to be our own personal advocate, to have a more open mind to other people and their experiences, to be more loving and free with our communication. The more that we do this work, the more that we really look at what is the reason for this reaction and what is the result and what is the result that I want, the more that we can be curious and look at that and tweak, the better our life becomes. And I just want to add a little caveat here, because this is something that has come up from my clients over the last week. And I, I do think it's important to touch on a lot of times when we react out of anger and frustration, and overwhelm, and resentment, and really put in any of those types of emotions. When we are experiencing those emotions, nine times out of 10, it's a protection emotion. And what I mean by that is it is easier to feel angry than it is to feel sad, or hurt, or worried, or like our worth is being diminished, or like people are going to see us in a negative way. It is easier to be mad. It is easier to be resentful. It is easier to be frustrated because if we have to sit with the pain of 
I feel like I'm not good enough, then we need to get away from that too. So oftentimes the reaction to, I don't feel good enough is anger. Okay. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's also not an overreaction, but it is a reaction. And I just want you to think about every time you're angry, can you get curious what's under the anger? What, why am I angry about this? Here's the thing. Every time I ask my clients this question, because this will come up, why can't I just allow anger? Of course you can, and you should, and you're going to feel angry. Sometimes nobody's getting rid of the anger in the world. I promise I experience a shit ton of it. You will too. It's fine. It's just that when we are looking back and going, how can I create a different result? And I've realized that I'm acting from anger. It's usually because something is happening that is making me feel unsafe and is triggering a fight response. So the reason why I'm angry is because I don't want to feel hurt. The reason why I'm angry is I don't want to feel out of control. The reason I'm angry is I don't want to feel like a bad parent. Do you see what I'm saying? It's always that. And so ultimately where you're going to find some traction is by saying to yourself, there's no such thing as overreacting. There's only reacting number one. And number two, why am I reacting like this? What is happening? And really sitting in the discomfort of it and trying to figure it out. And of course, as always, if you want help with that, I can help you. (laughs) All you need to do is book a strategy session. Okay. So go on my website, amandahess.ca, book a call. We can work together. I have a few spots available for this month. I would love to bring you into my coaching practice. I know that you can have the results you want in your life for sure. And ultimately, no matter what your brain is, no matter what your personality is, no matter what's going on in your life, we can create that for you. Okay. My friend, I hope you have a beautiful day. I'll see you here next time. Bye.